Hey guys, it's Pete with Starting Strength and we have a few new things to go over on our regular list of events, so let's get to it. Starting Strength Seminars coming up September 11th through the 13th in Wichita Falls, October 16th through the 18th in Denver at Starting Strength Denver, and then back to Wichita Falls on December 11th through the 13th. We have a new self-sufficient lifter camp on the list that'll be on October 31st in Wichita Falls where we go over the squat, the press, and the deadlift, teach you how to film the lifts, and then teach you how to diagnose and correct your own technique. We have a new squat camp on the list at Starting Strength Houston, in Houston, obviously, on October 17th. And we still have some spots for our coaching development camp on August 29th in Denver, Colorado at Starting Strength Denver. Minneapolis, August 30th, we have three spots left for our squat and deadlift camp. And then we're also having a squat and deadlift camp in Moody's, Connecticut at Anino Strength and Conditioning on September 19th. Singapore will have their three-lift camp on November 29th, covering the squat, the press, and the deadlift. And then we'll be in Chicago at Chicago Strength and Conditioning on September 12th for a nutrition camp. We have a few meets on the list. Phoenix, Arizona on October 30th at Weights and Plates will be holding their strength lifting meet. And Wichita Falls will be holding their strength lifting meet on November 14th. Testify Strength and Conditioning is holding their USA weightlifting meet on December 5th. And 5x3 Training in Baltimore will be holding their Stronger Together meet, which is a partner meet on December 6th. We're happy to announce Starting Strength Portland is on the list for our newest Starting Strength Gym. Starting Strength Gyms are a great place to come get some coaching for less than 30 bucks a session. If you're looking for other locations or just more information in general, head over to locations.startingstrengthgyms.com. And as usual, for more details and registration information for any of the events that I've talked about, head over to startingstrength.com and check out the right-hand side of the homepage. From the Asgard Company Studios in beautiful Wichita Falls, Texas, from the finest mind in the modern fitness industry, the one true voice in the strength and conditioning profession, the most important podcast on the internet, ladies and gentlemen, starting Strength Radio. Welcome back to Starting Strength Radio. It's Friday, and... uh, I mean, what did you think it was going to be? Tuesday? No. No, it's Friday. Starting Strength Radio is Friday. And you can take that to the bank. All right? So here we are. And uh, what we're going to do this week is we're going to talk about uh, a topic that may or may not be of any interest to you. It should be of interest to you if you're training. And... uh, uh, we're going to talk about uh, why you need to go to a meet. We're going to talk about that after we deal with comments, comments. From, from the heaters. heaters. This week, it's real shitty. Real shitty comments from the haters. Some, some stupid ass named Wing Chun says, okay, there's only been 8,000 new cases and 164 dead people in Texas, so screw wearing a mask, marats, goddammit. <laughs> 164 dead people. You, you, you know how many people died uh, yesterday in the state of Texas? 51. In one day, 51 people died out of 30 million people, 51 of them died of the virus yesterday. And <laughs> city of Austin is, what are they doing there? Till December 31st, everyone must socially distance 
and wear their oh, mask. The, the best part. What, is what do you have to do? In they're Austin? calling it the stay-at-home order. Stay at home. You have to stay at home till the end of the year. December thirty-first. Till December thirty-first. Everybody's going to do that. Yeah, yeah. That's what we'll do because fifty-one people died yesterday in the state of Texas. You're looking at the wrong but, thing, though. It's the cases. Cases. I see. It's the cases. 8,000 new cases. After all, that's what has Governor Abbott really worried. Governor Abbott is a is a, apparently as innumerate as everyone else on the surface of the planet. He thinks that cases somehow represent a meaningful statistic. <laughs> just, you know, I had, I had hopes for the guy. But he's just a smooth dumbass. Yeah. You know, he just didn't want to be governor anymore, I guess. So here we all are, you know, go to the store and you got to pretend like this bandana you've got tied around your face is actually <laughs> doing something besides signaling your obedience. But Win Chung here doesn't seem to understand about, people don't understand about zeros. That's the whole thing. You see, zero point zero 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 eight nine seven and your brain just says eight nine seven that's a big number because <laughs> you don't understand about the zeros in front of the damn thing what is it 126 deaths is that what it, that's what this stupid that's fuck point zero 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 one sixty four one sixty four 164 people out of a, out of 30 million people is five four seven with seven zeros in front of. So it. that's uh, that's uh, percent. So that would be uh, point is zero point zero 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 five four seven. Right. But Wing Chun here doesn't seem to understand. You know, I hope he doesn't work in front of a cash register. <laughs> it's the Oh, here's a good one. Rusty has some awful tattoos. Congratulations. Look, I, I didn't write this, Rusty. It's just it's Fabian Brown here. All right. Here's another one about the deceased. In uh, Everyone's laughing now. Does that include the 160,000 deceased? Maybe stick to talking about what you know because it's clearly not this. <laughs> How many times... Do we have to read a remark from one of the stupid fucks that typed this shit on there that I don't know what I'm talking about? I mean, how, that's like every other one, right? Stick to what you know. Yep. Right. Well, here's what I know. All right. There are 330 million people in the United States. And 160,000 of them is... 0.048% of, of people in the United States have died of COVID-19. Now, in the United States every year, there are 2.3 million people that are dead, that are deceased. 2.3 million people decease themselves every year. And we're talking here about 160,000 deceased right but i don't know what i'm talking about okay 
<laughs> so trust the science, Rip. Trust the science. Trust <laughs> Fauci. Trust Fauci. <laughs> okay, so those are the uh, what are this week going to pass for comments, comments. From, from the hate haters. So now that that difficult segment is over with, I'll have a drink of my weak iced tea here with no ice in it. And now we're going to talk about why you should go to a meet. All right. Now, a meet is an interesting. It's an interesting situation. All right, a meet is uh, where a bunch of people get together on a Saturday, possibly a Saturday and a Sunday if a whole bunch of people sign up for the meet, and see how strong they are. Okay? Uh, there are three or four kinds of meets. All right? We're not going to deal with strong men because we're primarily concerned with the barbell sports. Uh, strongman is a meet though. And it's a, it's a situation where, uh, different events are, are contested. And this is largely up to the discretion of the, of the meat director. There's, you know, farmers walks always in there and log press and what else do they do at a strongman anymore. They do a yoke walk, yoke walks, carries all kinds of loading stone stones, loading. these kinds of these kinds of things that are uh, that feature uh, odd equipment that are not barbells. All right. Uh, sometimes the strong man has a version of a deadlift that ends always ends up being a rack pull with a whole bunch of weight. Just pull the thing for a few inches off the floor, and it's you know car tires and you know platforms loaded with half naked women that sort of thing. Uh, these are the features of strongman contests, and they're they're fine. They're, but we're primarily concerned with the barbell sports. So, uh, the three types of meets available to us, if we want to go contest barbell sport, are Olympic weightlifting meets, powerlifting meets, and more recently, strengthlifting meets. All right. So, let's talk about each one of these uh, separately. Olympic weightlifting is uh, it has the reputation of being the most technical, uh, although I'm not sure that that's true. Uh, the snatch and the clean and jerk are the two lifts contested in a modern Olympic weightlifting meet. Now, prior to the 1972 Olympics, uh, the the uh, the meet was a three lift meet. It was the snatch. It was the clean and press, then the snatch, and then the clean and jerk. So it was a three-lift meet. And in 1972 Olympics, they removed the clean and press from the event so that there were only two, uh, two lifts left. And this was re the, the pre clean press was removed for various reasons. 
that are outside the scope of this discussion. We've got a good article on that written by John Fair on the website if you'd care to look more deeply into that. Uh, modern Olympic weightlifting features the snatch and the clean and jerk. Now, the, the, the meet itself, the two-lift meet, is uh, conducted in a way that is, that is different. The conduct of the meet is different than powerlifting or strengthlifting. Uh, in an Olympic weightlifting meet, uh, the weight on the bar it's loaded on the floor on the platform goes up and you lift the weight that you want to lift as the weight on the bar increases. In other words, if you're opening with a hundred kilos in your snatch and you choose a hundred and three kilos for your second attempt then if somebody is in front of you with 102 kilos that person goes first and then you're up with 103 so as the weight on the bar goes up people take their attempts on that weight and uh, as is quite often the case with the strongest guys in the meet those guys are going to snatch like if your opening snatch is 180 here in the United States, and then you're going to go to 185 and then 190, you'll follow yourself uh, in fairly uh, close order between attempts. And this is all you know what's going to happen when you go do this, and, and you're prepared for this. And the same is true with the clean and jerk. The bar is loaded to the lightest first attempt, and the bar proceeds up with people lifting their turn as uh, the load comes up to the heaviest third attempt. Okay, uh, this is the way uh, an Olympic weightlifting meet is conducted. A powerlifting meet is the squat, the bench press, and the deadlift. And all of the federations that I'm aware of in the United States conduct a powerlifting meet in what is called the rounds system. It's a completely different way to run the meet itself. Everybody who weighs in on, uh, on the powerlifting meet, and we weigh in on an Olympic weight, weightlifting meet too, and when you, when you weigh in, you get a card and you list your first attempt where you're going to start. And that allows the staff to organize the table and, uh, you know, decide what to load the bar for the first lightest attempt is. And the cards are, are on the table or the, you know, scoring system provides that information to the people in the audience. And, uh, in, in the case of the powerlifting meet, the first attempt for the snap, for the, for the squat, the bench press and the deadlifts are, uh, given to the staff when you sign in. And when you sign into the, when you weigh in and your scale weight is recorded, uh, you're going to give them these first attempts. And everybody in the meet, in what is called a flight of, say, 12, 15, 16 people, will do their first attempt. So that'll go from lightest to heaviest, first attempts only. And then... When you leave the platform, you go to the score table and you give the expediter your second attempt. And then everybody does the second attempt in order of lightest to heaviest. 
So everybody that's lifting on the platform is doing either first, second, or third attempts all together. And the bar goes from lightest to heaviest. Now, this is quite a bit uh, more organized than an Olympic weightlifting meet where the, the lifter may be following himself, may not be following himself, and the, the rest between attempts is, is, one of the, uh, is one of the factors in terms of the strategy. There's a lot more strategy involved in, uh, in an Olympic weightlifting meet because whereas the guy that's competing against you may think he's going to snatch 103 next and uh, he's getting ready to go on the platform in his mind and you choose 103 and your lot number is before him, then uh, he has to wait a little bit longer. Converse is also true. You may have a guy who is, uh, uh, because of your attempt selection, is forced to wait for an additional five, six minutes that he wasn't planning on waiting. So there's all of this back and forth goes on because the Olympic weightlifting weight on the bar method of running a meet provides another variable or three for the conduct of the meet. And this is part of the interesting nature of Olympic weightlifting is the way the meet is being run. Uh, the round system with powerlifting takes all of that out of the out of the out of the equation. Everybody on the platform right now is either doing their first attempt their second attempt or their third attempt. And uh, the only thing common in both sports is that the weight on the bar never goes down. All right. So if you call for a weight in an Olympic meet that whatever the weight on the bar is, is the lightest one you can lift. If you decide that you need to back up two kilos, that's too bad. You, you don't get the option to do that. So the weight on the bar always goes up in both of these contests. So round system provides a, a level of organization uh, running the meet that the weight on the bar system used by Olympic lifting does not. As a result, a power lifting meet is much more efficient in terms of the amount of time spent under the bar by the lifters. It's, uh, it's a, a known, if you're running a round system meet, you know about how long each squat is going to take. In our meets, a squat, the average length of time for a squat is one minute and seven seconds. And that has been proven to be the case over all the meets we have conducted because our staff is very good. We don't misload the bar. We have a platform manager and we're good at running meets. And, uh, our uh, presses and deadlifts are shorter than the squats because of the equipment. Now, a strength lifting meet is the is essentially a sport that I invented back about 2006 when I was working with CrossFit. Uh, Glassman came to me and said, "Would you do you have any ideas for a contest of the strength lifts?" And I said, "I sure do." Because I'd been thinking about this for quite a bit of time, so the the strength lifting started off as the CrossFit total with a set of rules that I wrote for the sport. Now, when we first started this, we had intended 
that the uh, the CrossFit total be run like a weightlifting meet, weight on the bar method. But uh, nobody liked that idea but me. So uh, it got changed over to round system later on. And uh, the thing has become known now as strength lifting. And uh, the difference in the name powerlifting and strength lifting is, is kind of important is, as far as I'm concerned. Powerlifting is not about power. A 10-second deadlift is not an expression of power. It's an expression of force production, strength. Uh, a six-second bench press is not an expression of power. An eight-second squat is not expression of power. And those of you that know what power means understand exactly what I'm talking about. And uh, so... Powerlifting is misnamed. It should have been called strength lifting, but powerlifting sounds cool, you know, and that's why that's why they called it that because it sounds cool. Power, power, you know the way powerlifters talk. They'll talk like Macho Man Randy Savage. I'm going to squat eight fifty. It's my opener today. Got a squat eight fifty. You know, and it's eight inches high and shit. You got white lights and shit on. So, uh, powerlifting is is misnamed. So, strength lifting. When we decided to to do the sport uh, with our own set of rules, we decided to call it strength lifting because that's what it is. The squat, the press, and the deadlift are movement patterns that employ force production and. Since a deadlift can be slow, since a squat can be slow, since a press can be slow, there's no power component necessary in the execution of the movement patterns. So we call it strength lifting because that's what it is. And it's a three-lift uh, sport that uses a same bar and plates as powerlifting does. Uh, the squat rules are a little different. The press is not a contested sport anywhere but in, in our sport of strength lifting. The press is taken out of a rack, walked back, pressed overhead, and put back in the rack. And then the deadlift is essentially the same thing as occurs in powerlifting. The difference between the way the meets are run um, is two things. In strength lifting, we have a way out, not a way in. So when you show up Saturday morning, uh, you're going to sign in, and the only thing you're going to do is fill out your attempt card and give that to the expediter to let the expediter and the scorekeeper know what your first attempts are going to be uh, for, the sna for the squat, the press, and the deadlift. And then at the end of the last deadlift, on your third attempt deadlift, or if you're not going to do a third attempt, if you're going to waive your third attempt, starting at second attempt deadlift, we take you to the scales and we see what you weighed during the meet. Now, this is important. Uh, 
Uh, powerlifting has a way in. Most federations have, well, I don't know about most of them. There are federations with a 24-hour way in. If you can wrap your head around this, uh, I find it difficult to do this. So the meet is Saturday starting at 10 o'clock. Weigh-in would be Friday starting at 10 o'clock. So you can lose a bunch of weight, get down to the 198 weight class or whatever the hell the weight classes are in powerlifting now, and then uh, leave the weigh-in and eat your way back up to 230 pounds if you can do that. What does a weigh-in mean? What is the concept of a weight class? All right. In, in these types of powerlifting federations, a 24-hour weigh-in means that means essentially that at some point in the past, you had to have weighed 198 to compete in the 198-pound weight class. And the fact that you weigh 230 during the meet is irrelevant. This is amusing to a logical person, okay? The concept of a weight class, I, I don't know how that got lost in the process, but a meet with a 24-hour weigh-in um, is, is a meet essentially without weight classes. Uh, a meet with a two-hour weigh-in, let's say the meet starts at 10 o'clock and the weigh-in starts at 8 o'clock. I know people who have gained 10 pounds of body weight between the time they weighed in at 8 o'clock and the time their first attempt was called on the platform, you know, three hours later. Once again, the idea of a weight class is that this is what you weigh. Now, back in days of yore, when you set a world record at the Worlds for powerlifting at the IPF Worlds, you set a world record. It's a brand new world record. Uh, upon you having set that record, they weighed the bar, they weighed the set. So the, so the record was what was actually on the bar, what the bar weighed, including missed loads and, and whatever happened with the plate castings and everything else. They knew exactly what the bar weighed when you lifted it. They had to shut the thing down to do this. And then they took you from the platform to the scale to make sure you were still in the weight class for which you set the world record. And this is the only honest way to do this. It doesn't take a high degree of intelligence or perception to understand that if you weighed 228 in the 220-pound weight class and you lifted a world record, well, it's not a world record in the 220-pound weight class. Now, is it? So I don't know what's being done now with respect to that. There are so many federations and the sports become so fragmented that it, it really doesn't matter. It's just go have fun at the meet. If you want to play like you set a world record in the master's division weighing, you know, five pounds over your weight class, 
at 73 years of age, then go ahead and enjoy yourself. It's fine with me. I don't care. But it's that's 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 not what you did. All right. So we have addressed that problem with the way out. So whatever you weighed when you finished your last deadlift is the weight class in which you competed. And this is the only honest way to do this. And it it solves a lot of problems. It it completely eliminates all of the chaos that a way in in front of the meat starting creates. Uh, all of that chaos is completely unnecessary. We don't have to call the session into into the weigh-in in the middle of the meet. Everybody stand up and get naked and go to the scale and all this other shit. We just weigh you out. It takes about two minutes. And if you want to compete in the 198-pound weight class, then make damn sure that you weigh 198 pounds or less as you step away from the platform from your third attempt deadlift because that's the weight class you're in. And uh, I think it's an honest approach to the sport. It's an honest approach to the concept of a weight class, and nothing else really is. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy with how that has turned out. And uh, our little strength lifting meets are not really organized at the national level. We just have them in the gym. We have two or three a year at Wichita Falls Athletic Club. Some other gyms around the country are uh, are doing these too. Eventually, a national federation will step up that's capable of getting the job done, and we'll look forward to helping them when that time comes. But right now, we're just having fun with our meets. And what you'll find is that the vast majority of the people that come to meets at Wichita Falls Athletic Club are just there to have fun. They've been training, and signing up for a meet is an important thing, all right? And this is really what I want to talk about today. When you sign up for a meet, it changes very, very fundamentally your approach to the very next workout. When you sign up for a meet, you send in an entry fee. You're going to be there. Lifting at 10 o'clock Saturday morning, three months from now. What you do at the meet matters to you because you signed up for the meet and now you're judged. Everything's got to be prepared and ready. And as a result of that, everything that you do in training between that point and the meet also now matters more. A signing up for a meet is the best thing you can do for your training. It really is. And, you know, people that sign up for our meets, and probably most people that go to power meets and Olympic weightlifting meets, they're not, they know they're not competitive at the national level. That's not the point. It's not the point. People that tell me, well, I want to make sure that I can win before I sign up for the meet, I still hear that every once in a while. You're never going to do a meet if you do that. You're a pussy. You can't get beat? What's wrong with you? You're afraid to get beat? What are you afraid of, boy? <laughs> how do you think you're going to learn about how to lift in a meet without going to a meet? You want to wait till you can win to go to a meet? <laughs> that's, 
<laughs> you just don't want to go to the meet. We understand. You just don't want to go to the meet. So don't go to the meet. But don't tell me stupid shit like that. That's pointless. You go to the meet to lift in the meet. And you go to the meet to do better this time than you did last time. That's why you go to the meet. Because improvement is gauged at a meet. That's when you set a one rep max. That's the only reason to do a one rep max because the rules of the, of the meet require a single attempt and the heaviest one you can do is your one rep max in the meet. It's become fashionable recently to use this bizarre term, an estimated one RM. My estimated one RM oh, is wait, real big number. It's a real big number. Yeah. It changes daily, but, but. <laughs> my estimated one RM is on the deadlift. Is I probably do I probably do eight fifteen if I had to, but I know I can do five. You know that, but I probably can. <laughs> but can I probably can only really do four seventy five. Well, you can do three sixty five for but, twelve, so that means you could do eight hundred. Right, right. It means you do eight hundred. Yeah. Just depends on what formula you use. <laughs> Right. If you want to know how strong you are, you go to a meet. That's what meets are for. Okay. Because it could be that your squat estimate one RM is about four inches high. Right. Now I know that doesn't matter in federations like the APF and the USPA and all the other recreational federations that just are social events. You know, if, if, if squat depth is not judged, and you all know what I'm talking about. If squat depth is not judged, you're lifting in a recreational federation. Here's another way to know that you're in a recreational federation. Does the federation pay the athletes way to the worlds? If they don't, it's a recreational federation. That's all it is. If you're not representing the federation to the extent that they're paying for your trip, it's a recreational federation. And recreational federations are fine. I don't care. You know, if it, what I'm talking about is if you want to go to a meet and test yourself and see if you're actually making progress, then sign up and go to the meet. But in powerlifting, the IPF Worlds is the world championships, and nothing else is. Now, I got problems with the IPF. I got problems with USA Powerlifting, which is, in reality, American Drug-Free Powerlifting Association. Still, uh, I got a lot of problems with them. But at least they judge depth in the squat. And if your federation does not judge depth in the squat, then you're in a power, you're in a recreational federation. So the, in the United States, the organization that feeds to the IPF worlds is USAPL. Like it or not, that's where you have to go if you want to be in a real meet. And uh, you know, I you know I have no love for USAPL for various reasons. The last thing I heard is they disqualified some guy's total last month because he had his mask on wrong. On his third attempt deadlift or something like that? That's the story. Now, that's that's what we call chicken shit. There is no more clear example of chicken shit than that. 
all right? And, uh, you know, that is, they, they do that kind of shit, and they've always done that kind of shit, and I just got no use for them. But they got the monopoly on the IPFs, so if you're going to be a power lifter, you got to deal with USAPL. God help you. Uh, but going to the meat, this, this is, this is something that needs to be explored. We want you to go to a meet because we want your training to improve by virtue of having signed up for the meet. I don't care if you go to the meet and, and don't total worth a damn. I don't go care if you go to the meet and win the meet. It doesn't make any difference to me. From a training standpoint, we are concerned with you being serious about your workouts and having established goals to meet, training with a purpose in mind. That's what training is. Training is coming and doing your workouts with a purpose in mind that's not today. That's down the road. And if you've got to meet in three months, if you're if you're intelligent, you have planned out every single workout down to the pound, the sets, the reps, and the weight on the bar that you're going to do between now and the meet. You started there in the future and planned it back, and now we're training. Now we've got a purpose in mind for this workout today, and if this workout today has a purpose, you're going to execute that workout more efficiently and more effectively than if you're just hanging around in the gym, right? Uh, we tell novices to enter meets. Now, in our system, novices are putting more weight on the bar every time they come in the gym anyway. If a novice enters a meet, he learns early on that what you do in today's workout matters, not just today but down there. And this is the whole point of training versus exercising. If you just come in the gym and just throw the dumbbells around, walk on the treadmill and watch CNN and listen to the propaganda and then go take a sweat and take a shower and leave, you're just exercising. You're just burning some calories, enjoying yourself on the way home from work. If you have a meet you're going to in three months that you know that Saturday morning you got to stand up in front of a whole bunch of people and do these three lifts for three attempts, things are different. Things are immediately different. You will not perceive the next workout the same after you send in the entry fee for the meet. Terribly important that you understand this. It, it provides a context for your training that is outside the scope of this today's workout. And that's the important thing about going to a meet. I think you really do yourself a, a major favor when you uh, sign up for a meet. And it doesn't matter which one of the barbell sports you want to compete in. People love to do Olympic weightlifting meets. They're fabulous. Sign up for an Olympic weightlifting meet. It will make you pay better attention to your snatch and your clean and jerk. And if you're intelligent, it will also make you pay better attention to your deadlift and your squat and your bench press and your press. Although a lot of Olympic weightlifters don't seem to understand this. 
but every aspect of your training becomes more effectively emphasized when you sign up for a meet. My advice is to stay away from equipped lifting. It's an excellent way to get very badly hurt. If the the artificial skin you put on allows you to bench 150 or 200 pounds more than you actually can handle, if the shirt tears, you're hurt. You're injured. Don't use equipment. Go to a raw meet, what's called raw. And go to a federation that judges depth. I mean, we're if everybody's squatting to a different depth in the meet, then we're just masturbating. That's what masturbation is. You're jacking off on the platform, aren't you? An eight-inch above parallel squat is masturbation. You understand what I mean by that? You guys understand what I mean by that, right? Do I need to? go into detail about what masturbation is an eight inch above squat parallel an eight inch above parallel squat is nothing but masturbation and it's not just you that masturbates your coach over here is masturbating (laughs) beautiful depth when you're eight inches above parallel that's the way they talk beautiful depth god damn there's no such thing as beautiful depth there's either depth (laughs) or there's not depth (laughs) <laughs> you're either deep or you're high <laughs> beautiful is a degree of depth right <laughs> oh shit so <laughs> you guys yeah it, it, go to a power meet they're fun go to a power meet but go to the squat below parallel whether they want you to or not just for your own pride and don't use a bunch of suits and wraps and all this other shit. Just go to a power meet and have fun. And then sign up for another one six months and beat your total. Compete against yourself. Okay? And if you are in a in a position where you're around a gym that's offering a strength lifting meet, then sign up for a strength lifting meet. I promise you, you will have a good time at one of our meets here at Wichita Falls Athletic Club. They, that's why they sell out in about two days. We announce a meet, and the damn thing sold out. The other reason is because you, uh, especially if you're training by yourself in a garage gym or at a commercial gym, you the same people are coming to the meets all the time, and you have a, I mean, you're you're joining a group of people. Yes. And you're going to see the same people every time. Everybody gets together every six months, um, and you know I've seen it over the last four years. Uh, people. People make friendships. Out of, People out of make meets. good friendships. We all go eat together after the meet. And nobody mm-hmm. remembers what you lifted in the meet. Nobody knows what the total was. They, they all know that you did the best you could and that you had the balls to do it in front of judges. And we've got some good lifters that come to our meets. Clint Case, big, strong man. Michael Cordova, excellent lifter. Excellent lifter. Chase Lindley shows up, always presses way up in the mid-300s. You don't get to see that very often. 22-year-old guy pressing in the mid-300s, that doesn't happen just everywhere. You know, that happens at a strength-lifting meet. And, uh, but, I, but I promise you, you'll have a good time at the meet. I announce these things. I'm funny, kind of. You know, we used to have a good time at the meet. But it doesn't matter if you don't have access to 
to us, you know, you're not in proximity to come come lift one of our meets, go to a power meet. Let's go have a good time. The the thing to keep in mind is that when you enter the meet, it changes your training. And that's the point of our recommendation that that's what you do because it positively affects your training, gives meaning to every workout that wasn't there if you're just doing this for, you know, your own aggrandizement in your training log. That's important. But I tell you, you'll find that everybody that goes to a meet will tell you the same thing. When they signed up for the meet, training got better. It always works this way. Those are my recommendations. Uh, anybody have anything to add here? If you're, uh, just real quick, if you're a novice. Nick, by the way. If you're a novice, you're going to a meet, how should you change your training if you're an intermediate? All right, those are those are fair questions. If you are a novice going to a meet, you don't change your training at all. You just, instead of Friday's workout, you're going to lift in the meet on Saturday. That's all there is to it. You're going up every workout anyway. So you don't taper. A novice doesn't taper because a novice doesn't need to taper. A novice is doing three sets of five, three sets of five, one set of five on deadlifts. Every time he's doing more weight, he just goes to the meet. A novice goes to the meet just for the experience of going to the meet. Some particularly gifted novices might place well, but a novice is not going to win the meet usually. A novice is going to learn at the meet. An intermediate, on the other hand. Before we talk about intermediates, yeah. if you're a novice, how do you find the weight that you're supposed to be doing? It's a, a new PR. It's the next PR that you would have done under the bar on Friday's workout with a little more added to it because you're doing a single and not a set of five. But it, it really, it doesn't matter. It doesn't, matter. No. It doesn't make, make any difference. Yeah. To, you, you just get through the nine attempts if you're a novice. That's why you're at the meet, to learn about how the meet runs and to get through the nine attempts and not embarrass yourself or your coach. That's why you're there as a novice, all right? Uh, if you start crying or something when you miss a deadlift, we, you know, don't do that, all right? Uh, if you pick the number wrong, eh, you know, that happens sometimes to novices. But you shouldn't be lifting enough weight where there's any question about whether you can do the third attempt or not. You ought to pick the attempt you know you can do. This is your first meet. They're all PRs. You know, don't be stupid. All right. Intermediate lifters, on the other hand, are making progress on a weekly basis. Some adjustment to the week before the meet is going to be necessary because novices are at the uh, are not handling anything but sets of five. Intermediate lifters, on the other hand, are handling singles, doubles, triples, and the the meet ought to coincide with the day you would be doing singles on those lifts. So it requires a little shuffling around. An advanced lifter, on the other hand, is almost by definition already been to several meets. They're actually lifters. And we don't need to tell them how to set up the meet because they already know. An advanced lifter is by definition someone to whom that particular sport is important enough to where it's the main thing they do. And they know how to set up a meet schedule. 
when I was competing, I would decide what the meet date was going to be. I'd send in the entry form, and then I'd plan my training backwards from that date. And in doing so, you always fuck that up, okay? You always fuck that up. It's, it, there's, you won't ever hit all of the numbers you think you're going to hit. And that's how you learn about adaptation. That's how you learn the hard lessons about training is what you think you can do versus what happened. What happened teaches you, right? There's another reason to go to the meets. Learn things beyond the novice level. Anything else? What do you bring? What do you bring to the meet? With gear, in terms of gear? No, I mean, I mean you're going to bring your shoes and your belt. And your I'm going to bring my shoes, my belt, my like singlet. Food and stuff? I always used to bring something to eat. You know, but you you don't want a stomach full of anything, particularly when you're going to go out and lift heavy, unless that's the way you train. All right, whatever your training looks like, the meat ought to look like too. If you train on an empty stomach, you ought to plan on lifting on an empty stomach. If you if you train having taken a nap right before you right before you you lift, well, you probably want to. You know, sit in a chair for 20 minutes before the meet starts and kind of close your eyes. You want to get as close to familiar as you can. What you don't uh, want to do is get on the Internet and read what people do and then try to do what they do. Yeah. Because, you know, I've had people do that and they're miserable. Because, you know, because that's stupid. It's dumb. You know, they, they do you, whatever. You're thing. doing the meet, not this right. person you're reading about. Yep. What did you do in training? Your, your meet day needs to look as close to a training day as you can. Don't get on the internet and read about what Ed Cohen ate before the worlds in 1993. It doesn't matter what, what Ed ate, okay? doesn't make any difference. What did you eat before your best workout? Eat that. And don't eat anything else. Don't do a whole bunch of new shit, all right? Don't use a new belt on the day of the meet. Don't use a brand new pair of shoes on the date of the meet. Don't do anything new on the date of the meet. Do the thing that da dance with the one that brung you. You heard that expression. There's no better time to apply that than at the meet. It everything needs to be as close as you can get it to your training. Now, it's not going to be the same thing because you don't train probably on squat stands by yourself on a platform with three judges around you in an audience. That's not how you train. So things are automatically going to be quite a bit different. But in terms of the things that you can control, those need to be as similar to what you are used to as you can make them. Okay? And, uh, yeah, part of, uh, part of learning how to lift in the meat is learning how to control your circumstances on the platform. One of the good things, one of the very best things about the way we teach the squat, which is looking down at the floor when you squat, in addition to the mechanical advantages this provides, uh, the, the better ability to drive your hips up and use your posterior chain, it also controls your field of vision to the point where some little kid out there waving at you during the, during the execution squat does not draw your attention. The floor is a fairly predictable thing 
all right? If you learn to look at the floor when you squat, you remove variables that otherwise interact with your attention span, all right? So this is, these are things you have to learn the hard way usually, all right? If you're looking out into the crowd when you squat, you're fucking up, okay? The best thing to do is look down. And for reasons that we have explained hundreds of thousands of times in other places. So there are going to be things that are not that are not familiar. The bar is not going to be the same, probably the same ones you train with. The way the plates are loaded on the bar may or may not be familiar feeling. A certain amount of slack in the plates. You get used to the way you load the bar and the loaders at the meet may load it differently. Some things you just have to ignore and you have to focus on your technique. This is another aspect of the way we teach people how to lift that is extremely important. If I send you out onto the platform uh, for your third attempt deadlift and it is a PR, it's a weight you've never handled before, the tendency is to walk out onto the platform going, oh, shit, this is heavy. Man, I hope I can hold on to this. hope this comes off the floor. All this, you know, you know, some people respond to fear in a positive way, but most people don't. So what I want you to do on every one, of your nine attempts at the meet is I want you to focus on the technical cue that you need to perform to correctly execute the correct technique we have taught you for that particular lift. Instead of thinking, oh shit, this is heavy, what you need to think about is stance, grip, it's in the right place in my fingers. Now, Set the chest up, push the floor. You're thinking about the technical details that you're going to execute with the barbell, not how much it weighs. And this is one of the big advantages to the way we teach these lifts. There is a checklist of technical things that you have to do. And it doesn't matter what weight's on the bar. You're going to do these things with your first attempt and your third attempt. Every one of these attempts, you have to learn to focus on those technical details. And uh, believe me, I have learned this the hard way. Okay? This is one of these lessons that you would be better to learn from me than to have to figure this out yourself. Okay? There's a thing that you have to do to squat a heavy weight. What is that thing? And how do I execute it the same way every single time? That's what you need to be thinking about on the platform. See, that, that's another one of the variables that you have control over. You, know, you can't control the way the bar is loaded. You can't control the, the bar. You can't control the neural on the bar. You can't control the plates. You can't control the judges. You can't control the platform material. There's all kinds of things that you don't have any control over, but the things that you do have control over, you must exercise that control to the best of your ability. You don't allow 
random variables to be introduced into the execution of these nine attempts. That's your job. You have to learn how to do it. And there's no better place to learn that than a meet. Okay. Anything else I'm leaving out? One, one quick one. So the, I, I've had a couple people do powerlifting meets, um, and you got to deal with rules, right? So mm-hmm. the way I've done it is on their these are novices on their first rep of their work weight leading up to it, have them practice the rules, and then just have them do the rest of the reps normally. How would how would you do it? That sounds like a reasonable reasonable deal so somebody's going to a powerlifting meeting they got to pause a bench press yep wait for a down command all that shit right all this shit one of the things i forgot to mention uh about the differences between strength lifting and and powerlifting is and this is very very important in in powerlifting the judges actually participate in the lift now i've always thought this was stupid all right why should the judge have to tell you to rack the bar when you're through with the squat. Why should the judge have to tell you when the pause was long enough in the bench press and to rack it? Why should the judge have to tell you to set the barbell down after you've locked out a deadlift? These are all completely unnecessary. And the way you know that is the judge doesn't call you up from squat depth, now does he? So why should the judge tell you how long you've paused is enough in the bench press. There's, that makes no sense. It's illogical and inconsistent. In strength lifting, the judge sits there in the chair and judges the lift, which is his job. All right, now here's, a, here's an interesting example of how this is very important. All right, if you've got a judge, the head judge in a powerlifting meet, So here's an example of why this is very important. The judge in a powerlifting meet actually gives you a signal when he decides that you have paused the bar on the chest long enough. Now, this up signal or press signal, it's been done with the verbal command to press or a clap at various times in the history of the sport. Uh, One of the problems is inconsistency. It is impossible for a judge to be perfectly consistent with 60 bench press attempts that he is judging over the course of a flight of 20 lifters. It's impossible for that judge to say, to to leave the bar on the chest of the lifter the exact same amount of time for each one of these lifters. Even if his intentions are to do that, he can't do it. It's physically impossible. All right. The rule says the lifter must pause the bar on the chest so that there's no rebound. The idea is to, is to eliminate the rebound in the bench press. I don't know why we're eliminating the rebound. It's just one of the quirks of the rules. Why not do an honest touch and go? If I were running powerlifting, I would have a touch-and-go bench press instead of a pause bench press. It's safer, and it's more consistent, and you can judge a heave off the chest just like you can a pause, right? In, in a power meet, the rule says that the lifter must hold the bar on the chest and, 
until the bar is motionless, at which time the judge, the head judge, will give the press signal. Now, I've seen several times this very thing happen. I have seen the head judge who is either friends with or afraid of the lifter give the press signal before the bar touched the chest. Now, in that situation, what do the side judges do? What do the side judges judge? Do they judge the signal or do they judge the bench press? If the judge gave the signal to press before the bar reached the chest, then no pause effectively is being required of that particular lifter. But that lifter got the press signal. So what do the side judges that are not involved in this fuck-up do in that situation? Well, what they ought to do is there be no signal from one of the judges. In other words, the judge doesn't need to participate in the execution of the lift if you've got a set of rules that the lifter is supposed to be familiar with. The judges just judge the performance of the lift according to the rules. That's the logical, sensible, normal thing to do. But if you inject a judge's command in this thing, you, then you've got another fallible human involved in the process. And you've got, you've got nothing good coming out of that. So what we have done with strength lifting is we've omitted the involvement of the judge and the participation of lifts. Okay. So I think that's an important uh, aspect of this. But back to our basic premise. Uh, you go to a meet to make your training better. And I want to encourage all of you guys to give some thought to entering a meet. Doesn't matter what kind of meet it is. You'll have fun at the meet. You're probably going to get beat. Who cares? Everybody gets beat. All right. And, you know, if, if you'll find an amazing thing happens after you mail your entry fee in, people don't do that anymore, but we used to write a check and I've put $50 in cash in an envelope and sent it in for an entry fee before, but now it's, it's all handled on the internet. Uh, once you do that, once you push the button and now you're entered into meat, shit's different. Things just got real. And I think you'll find that your training benefits from having done so. If you got any questions about this, let us know. Uh, this might be some good questions to ask for an next Q&A. So be thinking about that. And uh, uh, just like to wish everybody good luck on your next meet, you guys. Uh, we'll find that you've had a lot more fun than you thought you were going to have. You're going to be all worried and anxious and all this other shit. And at the end of the day, you're going to have had a ball. Give that some thought. We'll talk to you next week on Starting Strength Radio.